Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirstie. Did you know that when he died in 1955, Albert Einstein's brain was stolen by Dr. Thomas Harvey and cut into 240 blocks to be studied? I had no idea. Really? You're such a brainiac. I thought you'd know this. Well, thank you. I confess. (laughs) I did actually know that, but only because I read this week's book, Brains, Not Just a Zombie Snack, written by Stacey McAnulty and illustrated by Matthew Rivera. This book is zombielicious, and we're excited to talk with Stacy, Matthew, and Stacy's agent, Lori Kilkelly, about the creative process behind their frontal lobes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, their book. Yeah, their book. <laughs> Let's get started. Stacy, we're going to start with you. Informational fiction genre is your wheelhouse. So can you tell us where you got the idea for this book? I was just talking to some students yesterday. I tell the kids that like every book has an origin story. And I was actually on vacation. I was in London and I kind of have a rule in any city to go to a bookstore. And so we went in there and we're buying books, going through books. And I picked up this book called The Brain, The Story of You. And there's so much in it that I was like, more people need to know about this. I agree. So I'm like, oh, I need to share this yes. with young readers. So this started <laughs> my research. And of course, I went on to other sources as well. But I was so intrigued. So we love this book, Stacy and Matthew. Oh, my goodness. It's hilarious. And Stacy, I have to tell you that my son he used to carry a globe around all the time when he was like two and yeah. three and four and five. <laughs> and that's when your book, The Earth, came out. Oh. And oh my goodness, he used to sleep with it. Aww. So I just... Wow. <laughs> Well-loved books. That's awesome. I mean, you are just the master at telling a nonfiction story in a way that's so engaging. And the illustrations are just so good for this one, too. So, Lori... What did you like best about this story when Stacy sent it to you? And how did you feel about its chances of being acquired? 
So before this book came the book that you mentioned, which was Earth, my first 4.54 billion years. That was the first nonfiction science-y picture book that I had sold. So when she sent it to me, I loved it. But what I said to her was, I don't know if nonfiction picture books like this will sell. I can't (laughs) promise that I'm going to have success with this. So I don't want to overpromise. I prefer to underpromise and overdeliver. And we went to auction with the book. It was very well received. You know, we constantly get wonderful, you know, responses like for the one from your son. That's such a heartwarming story. So sorry to go back to that book, but because those had been successful and she had a couple out when she sent brains to me. I was like, oh my gosh, you've done it again. This is such a fresh way to talk about the human brain and zombies. And, you know, the one like kind of, well, how will people feel about this was that, you know, zombies do eat brains. So we weren't sure exactly how much we'd get away with in terms of like scaring kids. So we knew we had to pitch it in a way that, look, this is a reform zombie. She's not actually going to eat the brain, but she can talk about how delicious it is. And of course, there are various jokes throughout about that. And I just think it's funny. Even when I read it now, having read it a ton, it's just really funny and clever. And you learn so much. You learn something new every time you read it. So I felt pretty confident in it. Um, We did send it to her editor at Macmillan, where the Our Universe series is. We also went to a couple of other editors, and there were various people interested in the project, but we did have one respond that their team was worried that it was too scary. I think you all who've seen the book now know that it's not scary at all. Matthew's illustrations made it like so accessible and really fun and funny rather than being terrifying, which is good. It's the perfect mix of being really brainy, but also really fun and funny and and silly. Um, But like perfect for Halloween for that age group. And so true. So I felt confident in it. And Macmillan basically purchased it ahead of everyone else. So they went ahead and made an offer and preempted it and signed up two books. It all turned out well. Lori, another question for you. How much work do you typically do to get manuscripts ready for submission? It all varies depending on the manuscript. I'll generally look at it at a variety of times, uh, you know, meaning a client might send me a list of ideas they're working on or, you know, or thinking through. And I'll say, you know, this one seems good for this reason. Uh, Oh, did you see a book just came out about this? You might want to put that one on a back burner for a little while, unless you feel like you can tell it in a really unique way. This is really fresh. This is overdone, whatever. So we might talk at the beginning, look at an early draft. I feel very strongly that you have to have a critique group. Stacey has a fantastic critique group. And so she runs things by her critique partners always. I'm often seeing things very early and then, you know, a little bit you know, further and much more polished along the way. And then I do additional work if I think it needs it, but it's in a good place. And I like to polish too. I I like to make it as shiny as possible. I know that they're going to have an editor. I don't want to over edit, but I do think, you know, cleaning it up and making sure that it's a really good presentation as clean as it can be for the editor is important because editors are incredibly busy and they get thousands of submissions and you want to stand out and Having to muck through a not very tight submission isn't something that's going to make them anxious to read a submission from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Stacey, yeah. she's a pro. There are some that 
we don't go out with, you know, <laughs> something she'll send. And I'm like, I don't know if this is working. And she's very quick to move on. Not everybody is like that. Stacy's like, okay, chop, chop. What's the next one? You know, so she's always the next idea on tap. That's because of her giant That's brain. That's wonderful. <laughs> giant brain. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Matthew, what made you say yes to working on this project? I remember vividly when my agent sent the email letting me know that Macmillan was interested in working with me on this book with Stacy, and I was in Einstein Bagels. When, ah. when, the, e- when, the, oh. when the email came <laughs> through, like I was in line waiting you know, to order and I looked at my phone. You know, I, I look at little things like that, like it's a sign, okay? Yeah. You know, for sure, once I read the manuscript, and, and I'm familiar with Stacy's books and certainly the Planet series, which I love, I guess pun intended, it was a no-brainer, you know? Like it, it was just, I loved the manuscript. It was just so original and so unique. I'm kind of afraid of the zombie genre, like, but it was such a friendly zombie. Of, of course, it was kid-friendly and it, it was about the human brain. I love science. You know, she's a zombie chef and I love to cook. So it all just sort of came together for me. And I mean, I could not work on this book. I mean, it was so incredible from the get-go, I think. Um, I agree. Yeah, just really excited about it. And I, of course, you know, I I just had to do it. (laughs) You know, this was written, the character doesn't have a name and there's really not much identifying the zombie. What made you choose to have a female zombie? Initially, I thought of Julia Child. I started working with one art director, at the, the very beginning of this book, we you know kind of bounced around a few things. And that's why I, I discussed Julia Child, because at first I thought that the chef was supposed to be an adult. And then when that art director left, a new team came in. And so we aged the chef down to uh, like, if Julia Child, I guess, was a young girl. And, you know, we kind of took it from there. I'm Latino. So she's also like Latina-ish. Like a lot of characters that I create for picture books, they've been ethnic up to this point. And so I incorporated some of that as well. And I just love what you did with her. And she is, like we said, not scary in any way, but still clearly a zombie. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, you did uh, <laughs> such a good job. Well, Stacy, we've talked about just how engaging the book is and the voice is so fantastic. Can you give us a look mm-hmm. into what the writing process was like? When I tackle these, I start with research and try to know as much as I can, probably too much, you know, because then I want to jam it all in there. The next step is a personality. So whether it's giving a personality to the moon or Mars or a zombie, it's like, what do I want this character to sound like? And then from there, I'm doing a couple drafts and I do have critique partners. One thing that my editor really had me doing for, for these books is a fact and a joke on each page. And we're very kind of structured with that. And sometimes the joke is in the art. (laughs) And I think that's what makes them kind of accessible to kids. We're feeding them the jokes, but we're sneaking our veggies of facts into this. (laughs) Like they think they're eating all chocolate souffle, but it's really a base of broccoli. So again, research, personality, and then in the editing, I'm really focusing. Are we being funny all the time? (laughs) And are we getting those facts in there. And I wish I could say it was that simple, like follow these five steps and you have a book. Of course, there's a struggle <laughs> along the way. And as Lori mentioned, some do fail or don't come together right away. Yeah, failure lives in the neighborhood of success. That's the way it is. Exactly. I like so. that. In the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Matthew, as we've been mentioning, your art is so much fun. And you. you've created this adorable zombie girl. And can you share a little bit more about your process for this story? I did a lot of research, a lot of research. I mean, I made Pinterest boards for kitchens. And then certainly I did a lot of research on brains, animal brains, human brains. 
and the the differences and what those look like. And, you know, I didn't want to illustrate something that was just straight up like almost an image, perfect image of a brain that to me, I felt like they needed to be a little more stylized, you know, since we're talking for children. So I did hours and hours of like, like treatments and styles. And um, I usually use a lot of watercolor uh, with some colored pencil. And for this book, you know, I laid down a lot of watercolor on some of the spreads and I felt it looked really soft. Like it didn't have the, the edge, I think that matched Stacy's writing that, you know, it was just really funny and also very smart. So I started to incorporate more and more of the colored pencil and I felt like it gave, gave the pictures a lot of energy. But then also I wanted to incorporate some little jokes here and there. Uh, certainly the text is brilliant, but I also like to give little hints here and there of things that kids may find later when they're rereading the book. So I did research on like what types of food are great for the brain. So like um, if you look through some of the spreads, you'll see things like jars of almonds or uh, beans and stuff like that. As far as the illustration goes, is really trying to match the, the depth and the richness of the manuscript because I felt like it was such a good nonfiction narrative. There's so many layers in this one. And I do think that the art is part of the rereadability that's going to make our young readers want to come yes. back. Super Being important. a representative of picture book illustrators as well as authors, illustrating a picture book is hard, right? But illustrating a nonfiction picture book, you're not starting from like creating a world. You're trying to create a world with facts and things that are actually true and you have to depict them accurately and it's really hard. So yeah, kudos, Matthew, for all the research that you did. Anybody who does a nonfiction picture book illustration well knows that a ton of research went into it. All of your listeners should know that too. It's not an easy thing to do. So after the sale is made, what's your role throughout the rest of the process until publication? Well, I feel like I say it varies all the time, but it really, it does vary. Like every project is a little bit different. There's so much research that goes into these and there's, I can't remember Stacey, which book it was that we most recently went through, but we literally will hop on the phone and go page by page looking through the manuscript. The next Earth one that's yeah. coming out. And we spent over two hours in the evening. It was like dinner time. We worked through dinner going wow. page by page. And she, she does come at it like, this doesn't make sense. You need to explain this. And, and her attention to detail is like 10 times mine. I mean, I should probably be better with attention <laughs> to detail, but Lori is very good at it. Like you said it this way here, or use this here, or even the art right. which will point out things that the eyes are different. And it does take a long time because we both care so much. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be the same if we didn't do it together. <laughs> I love that. I don't do that on every book. Every book doesn't, I don't think need that. And and I don't want to take anything away from the amazing team that's working on it at the publisher either. Like they are doing a killer job as well. I think we just know that there's so much to look at on every page of these books with all of the information that's being shared that, you know, if we go through it together, it's going to wind up being a more cohesive project and be the best that it can be. So we do take the time to do that. And so, you know, that's something that I try to do. I realize that, you know, every agent can't do that for every book, you know, especially if something is sold on proposal, but I do tend to get pretty granular, which 
is maybe not so much a positive as a failing of me not being able to let go. I don't have a million person following or anything like that, but I definitely do utilize social media to promote the book. And I'm, I'm a pretty involved agent, I would say. And I have a small list on purpose so that I can stay involved with the projects because I enjoy the fruits of the labor. You know, it's really fun to see the book come together and see readers like you all get, you know, really excited about the book. And yeah. I like being involved in kind of the soup to nuts, as they say. Thank you. No, that's, that's great. And so now we have our last question. It's the same question for everyone. And we're going to start with you, Lori. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? For me, anytime you can interest a kid in continuing to read. So things that are fun and funny and that engage them are going to make them want to pick up the next book. Of course, I hope they take away some great information about the brain. We need people who are interested in studying the brain and learning about the brain and being interested in good in science. I think that was probably part of my barrier to entry was that it was very dry, you know, the way that it was being taught. And we need to talk to kids, not at, not talk down to kids, but actually talk to kids at their level and make things exciting and interesting and captivating because the brain is captivating. So I guess dual focus, I'd love for them to be interested in reading more science books, but really I just want them to be reading books in general. I want to make voracious readers out of kids. Matthew, how about you? When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope that they learn to fall in love with reading and also reading books about science or books about nature. I remember for me as a child, I picked up, Disney used to put out like those little science animal books for children. And those were my, like, I actually would sleep with those in bed because I would read those and fall asleep. And to this day, like, you know, I'm a huge animal lover. Um, I'm a huge nature lover, dinosaurs also. Um, like I just, just that information stuck with me. Like to this day, I could list off about, you know, 30 different dinosaurs because I used to love those books. And I hope wow. that a child picks up this book and you know, they remember this information well into adulthood and they remember it fondly, especially, you know, that, that this was what kickstarted their love of science. But for me, that's not what it's about. It's wonderful. Daisy, when someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope kids are entertained first and foremost, because if you're not entertained, they're going to, you know, put it away. So I'm going for entertainment value first, but then I do have really lofty goals with this book. Like I said, if I could go back to school, I would be a neuroscientist. (laughs) I want to inspire the next neuroscientist. What we know about the brain is really developed in the last 10 years, and it's not where it needs to be. (laughs) We just really need to get future scientists excited about different things. And I think the brain is worthy of more research, more knowledge, but it's also, you know, the back of my mind as I wrote this, I imagine someday um, that a kid has grown up and they've won the Nobel something something prize. I don't know, the biology, the biology. And they're like, I want to thank Stacey McAnulty and Matthew um, for, for inspiring my love of the brain way back in 2021. That would be awesome. Oh I, I mean, if I could, you know, if we could reach one kid and get them that excited. I mean, I hope all mm-hmm. kids get, get a little bit excited, but I do think books have the potential to change a young a big thank you to Stacy, Matthew, and Lori for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for brains, not just a zombie snack. Check out the show notes to learn more about Stacy and Matthew and their other fabulous books. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. We would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.